Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Your fight is our fight. You are fighting for your sovereignty, for your territory, for your language, for your culture, for your democracy, but also for our democracy. Just like what happened on this very ground two years ago. Do peremohi slava Ukraini. Justin Trudeau in uh, Kiev yesterday on the second anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And we've spent a great deal of time over the last two years speaking about and getting insights into what's happening in Ukraine with guests in Ukraine, as you know, particularly with uh, Ambassador Oleksandr Sherba. He's been a, a great support to us. And we spent some considerable time as well with our next guest, Mr. Boris Brezhnevsky. Um, Boris is a former liberal member of parliament in the Toronto area, but he has very deep ties with, uh, with Ukraine. And Boris, thank you so much for coming on. This weekend is, is really so significantly important because I've heard a lot of stories about the Ukrainian military having challenges now, not enough weapons, not enough shells, not enough what they need to continue fighting the war as effectively as they have been because the West has been slow to deliver. But I would rather focus on, and I know that's terribly important, we'll talk about that, but I think it's so incredibly important to recognize the valor and the incredible effort and commitment the Ukrainian military and the people of Ukraine have uh, have delivered for their nation in an existential threat situation and delivered to the rest of the world who'd better recognize that Ukraine is fighting the Russians and causing them some really significant problems should they have military ambitions elsewhere. How are you? Well, on this uh, terrible anniversary, uh, it's a time uh, to reflect and, of course, to remember the tens of thousands of brave Ukrainian soldiers, largely a volunteer army, who have paid the ultimate, the ultimate price. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Zelensky saying 31,000 Ukrainian military have lost yes. their lives, but they've taken a tremendous toll out of the Russians as well. Huge toll. I've heard seven to one. Uh, well, most reputable... Uh, foundations and organizations that are monitoring and doing counts uh, believe that over 300,000 Russian soldiers have been lost. And what we're seeing for the first time since World War II is a return to what is called industrial warfare in Europe. Um, and on the Russian side, these uh, horrible meat grinder uh, attacks. Um, but it's also a time uh, during this anniversary to take a look at what what has occurred. And uh, you reference the bravery of the Ukrainian armed forces. If we go back two years ago, uh, according to Putin, and in fact, most pundits and pol political leaders in the West we're talking of a three-day war, a three-day war. Russian military, the second most powerful military in the world, 
was to do a blitzkrieg to Kiev, uh, followed by a military, Russian military-backed coup, the assassination of Zelensky and his family. But instead, what you saw was a rout of the Russian army by an underarmed volunteer Ukrainian army. And in that first year of the war, uh, not only were Russians pushed out of Ukraine's from around Kiev and Ukraine's north, by the fall in the east, in the Kharkiv region, they were routed. They were routed again in the fall in the south, in uh, the Kherson region. Uh, but in 2023, as, as I've just said, we've seen this return to industrial warfare. And uh, this is where we need to assess our role. Uh, we just heard the Prime Minister talking about how Ukraine's fight is our fight, How, and all of us acknowledge that Ukraine's brave soldiers are the shield for our Western democracies. It's not NATO and the NATO countries. It's, in fact, Ukraine's soldiers that are, uh, are that shield. And it was this year that it, it became so painfully clear that uh, the Western lack of speed and the dithering timidity that we've seen in Western leadership to provide Ukraine with the arms that they need. You know, do we provide leopards or don't we provide leopards? Do we provide attackums or don't we provide? Do we provide Abrams tanks? And then supposed disappointment that Ukraine was only able in the counteroffensive to move about 30 kilometers forward. And then when they do provide arms, there are strings attached. Russia launches attacks from across the border in Russia, but you can't hit them back using Western weapons. And this is the frustrating part is we don't see the sort of resolve that uh, is necessary. Ukraine has said that in this year, they will need 2.5 million artillery shells. The EU promised 1 million, delivered 250,000. We see Trump and his MAGA coitorie in the House of Representatives preventing, blocking U.S. military aid from getting to Ukraine. We're seeing tactical retreats by the Ukrainian forces uh, when facing these artillery barrages of uh, 10 artillery uh, pieces to one against, against the Ukrainians. And uh, Russia is gearing up in this coming year to completely transform its economy into a military economy. Their artillery factories, their tank factories, are going 724, three shifts a day. Meanwhile, here in Canada, we can't even hit our 2% commitment to NATO defense. Well, well Boris, uh, we, we heard the uh, uh, the Minister of National Defense talk about uh, no missile defense system having been delivered to Ukraine, as was promised some time ago. I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think we even have any missile defense systems ourselves for this country. So what are we, we going to, what are we going to do? We, we, we can't just talk the fight. We have to deliver. It's fine for Mr. Trudeau and the other Western leaders to go and stand beside President Zelensky as they did yesterday 
But that's what they do best. And I'm not saying they didn't make efforts. I'm not saying Western nations didn't do a great deal at the beginning or for the first year. But there's been domestic interests that have superseded what they really should understand is a global situation and a global challenge. We have the, 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 the commander of the Norwegian military saying we had better be ready for war with Russia in, within three years. That's echoed by others, including the leader, the head of the Swedish military, the, uh, the head of the British military is saying we need a, a home guard as it were, 100,000 soldiers ready to go because they are expecting to experience what Ukraine is experiencing and we're, we're just not delivering to the Ukrainian military what they need and they have proven they can fight the Russians even though tremendously outnumbered. They've proven that they can take the Russians out of the game. This is an exceptional um, military. Uh, the, the Ukrainian military is exceptional. They've done what nobody expected. You're right. Uh, I, I, two years ago today, everyone expected, okay, we're 24 hours in. It'll be over by uh, 48 hours from now. And then we saw that huge tank column outside of Kiev and, and people wondered, what are they doing? Did they run out of gas? And that was one of the rumors. They ran out of gas. They, but they were being beaten. They were being hammered into submission. And that happened over and over and over. Was it Churchill said, give us the tools and we will do the job? Well, it, it, it's, it's actually uh, quite correct to invoke Churchill because this, this is a repeat of history, the late 1930s. Uh, we're seeing around the world uh, democracy in retreat and the rise of authoritarianism. And in many ways, the global south, led by the BRICS, Group. They're standing on the sidelines and they're watching. They're, they're watching, is the West a paper tiger? And, and, and the context to this is, look, the Russian economy is 12 times smaller than the EU's economy, 20 times smaller than NATO's economy. And when we talk about the 2%, let's, not, let's put that into context. That was when uh, we set that target years ago. <laughs> when we were politicians, were still talking about the peace dividend. During yeah. the Cold War, we were spending 3 to 5%. We're speaking with Boris Vrezhnevsky, a former Liberal Member of Parliament, the deep ties to Ukraine. On the 5th of February of this year, Stuart Bell and Jeff Semple of globalnews.ca. Exclusive report, Ukrainian general wants Canada's 83,000 decommissioned rockets. And they were supposed to be delivered. To, uh, to Ukraine, because they can use them in their battle against uh, Adolf Putin. I don't know what's happened with that. I, I, Boris, do you know? No, but it's a recurring theme with uh, Canada and Canadian aid. Uh, decommissioned uh, equipment, uh, missiles. We, we heard it when, it when the debate was about the Leopard tanks. Uh, we don't have any. Maybe we have one. Well, we have three, and then they found another three. So it's um, it's it's just a, a recurring reoccurring theme. Uh, but uh, we need to be and show uh, a resoluteness that's been uh, that's been lacking. And uh, Canada still has an opportunity to lead. And uh, of course, appreciated the Prime Minister on this terrible anniversary 
went to Ukraine, stood in solidarity with President Zelensky and other world uh, leaders. Uh, but if he wants to show real global leadership on this file, uh, what's this business of 50 sanctioned individuals uh, after Navalny's assassination? Uh, why are we trading and doing business with Russia whatsoever? There should be a total economic blockade. Uh, but uh, coming back to just before the break, uh, uh, there was an interesting uh, uh, set of statistics I wanted to share that speak to what is the cost of a lack of investment in deterrence today. In 1935, the UK paid, uh, spent less than 5% on defense and deterrence. By 1939, it was 18%, and of course, in 1940, it was up to 46%. If Putin is not stopped in Ukraine, the Norwegians and Swedes that you had quoted are absolutely correct in their assessments that Putin will not stop with Ukraine. Uh, Roy, you'd also said, um, you know, with deep family ties and ties to people at the front, including I've a number of nephews, uh, one nephew who leads a battalion uh, who was uh, on the Andivka uh, uh, front. Yesterday on the anniversary was a day to show solidarity. Um, we saw it not just in Ukraine, but around, around the world in mass gatherings. But today's Sunday, and today is the day that we say prayers. For many, they're quiet prayers and lighting of candles for uh, lost loved ones. Uh, there isn't a town or village in Ukraine that in their cemeteries there aren't new sections, additions to the cemeteries. Uh, there isn't a town or village or city that you walk through in Ukraine where you don't see men without arms or legs. It's, it's today being Sunday, like I said, it's a time for prayer and to say prayers for all of those brave soldiers who, who did pay that ultimate price and those walking wounded. And what's astounding is how many, for instance, of those walking wounded soldiers with prosthetics have actually returned to the front. And it speaks to that Ukrainian bravery that we're seeing. that, uh, and, and I can only hope that it infects some of those politicians that go and travel to Ukraine when they see the resilience, the bravery, uh, and the principled positions of the Ukrainian people and, and their leadership. Uh, so that's, that's our hope for this year. And of course, the arms. As brave and as resilient and as ingenuous as, uh, as the Ukrainian army and soldiers are, if you don't have the artillery, if you don't have the bullets, you won't be able to win the war. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.